How would you feel if your back was against the wall with the greatest army in the world coming right at you? Well, that is the scene that we're going to join today as we take a look at the Israelites in the book of Exodus chapter 14. If you're joining us today online, we just want to welcome you to Three Circle Church. Get your Bible right now, your device. Go there to Exodus chapter 14. We're going to open the Word of God and allow God to speak to us through this really old story with very, very modern lessons for us. We're calling this series the Red Sea Rules. And as we take a look at the children of Israel during the Exodus, We're going to find them with their backs against the Red Sea and the Egyptian army coming right at them. And we are learning so much. In fact, we're learning what we call the Red Sea rules, things that you and I uh, can take with us when we face our own Red Sea moments. Because the truth is, all of us are either in a Red Sea moment right now where we feel overwhelmed or we feel terrified or we feel like we just can't get over the obstacles Uh, or it's going to happen to us really soon. That's just how life is. Uh, But God has promised us that He is faithful and that we can believe and trust in Him. And we're going to learn how to do that as we take a look at these Red Sea rules. So far, we've learned that God is in control. He places us where we are or either allows it. We've learned that our lives need to be all about His glory and that when our backs are against the wall, it's an opportunity for God to show His power, therefore glorifying himself. And then we've also learned that when our backs are against the wall, we need to learn to cry out to the Lord and pray to him and and trust him. Well, today we're going to learn another one of those important Red Sea rules. And it's one I think that's going to speak to every single one of us, because I don't know how you are, but I know that I hate to wait. And I bet all of you also hate to wait. In fact, few things are more irritating to me, and I think most humans, than having to wait on anything, right? I mean, when you have to wait in a line at a theme park, have you ever been to Disney World or Six Flags, and you're waiting in that hot line, and if you have kids, they're losing their minds, and it seems like it takes forever, and you stand in a two-hour line for a five-minute ride. Or maybe at the DMV when you're going to get your uh, driver's license renewed or you're going to get a tag renewed and it seems like the whole world slows down. No one's going fast enough. Few things are more frustrating than going to the doctor's office, right? And you had a 10 o'clock appointment, but you look at your clock and an hour later, you're still in a waiting room waiting to be seen. And you get frustrated. You wonder what's going on back there because we really do hate to wait. Maybe nothing's worse if you have kids than waiting in the car line, right? When you're in that car line and it just takes forever uh, to get through it, man, it can be really frustrating. Again, at the end of the day, humans hate to wait. But today we're going to learn that waiting is a part of the process. So let's read in the book of Exodus chapter 14. We're going to go verses 10 through 14. It says this, when Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them and they feared greatly. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us bringing us out of Egypt? Is it not this what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. Now, let's just pause right there because we learned last week that the way we pray and the attitude in which we pray reveals our relationship with God. The Israelites don't yet really know God that well. They're learning how to walk with Him. And they have no idea the greatest miracle of their lives is just a few moments away. But they still have a lot 
to learn. And as you can see, they cried out to the Lord. They prayed, but they held on to this situation. They wanted control. They wanted an answer now. And, and guess what? They hated to wait, just like you and I. And Moses answers them, verse 13. Now, you would think that Moses would tell them, hey, get over it, or hey, just it's going to happen in a minute, right? But instead, he, he teaches them something important they need to learn. Verse 13, Moses said to the people, fear not, stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. Two things that Moses says there are important for us to understand. And it's a lesson that the Israelites are going to have to learn. They're going to have to learn to wait. Moses tell them, tells them, stand firm. In other words, be still. Other translations of this verse use the word still. Moses says, you don't need to run around. You don't need to run back to the Egyptians. You don't need to run forward. There's, an, there's basically a body of water behind you. You need to stand still. In fact, he then says, not only stand firm, but he tells them, be silent. So he says, stop grumbling. Stop talking. Stop trying to control the situation. Now we can all, before you beat the Israelites up over this, we can all relate. Again, we all hate, hate to wait because here's the deal. We are microwave people but we serve a crockpot God. Let me tell you what I mean. Uh, we are a microwave people. Our technology has only accentuated our love of speed. We want things fast. We want things when we want it, and we want it right now. It's why we created microwaves, so that we can pop the popcorn right now. But let me be honest with you. About the only good thing that comes out of a microwave is popcorn. Because we all know that if you put just about anything in a crockpot and cook it all day long... It tastes great when it comes out, right? Because it had time. It requires time. What I want you to understand is God works a lot more like that. He doesn't work on our timetable. And in order to see the results of the miraculous power of God in our lives, we're going to have to learn to walk at His pace. It's amazing. Hundreds of years of slavery did not help the Israelites become more patient people, really. And it's true of us as well. Uh, we are impatient. And our modern world, modern sensibilities and technology has only made that worse. But what we're going to learn today is that if we are going to really walk with God and see Him do great miracles in our lives, if we're going to glorify Him and thereby find great purpose and ultimate joy in our lives, we are going to have to learn to wait. So here we are about to learn Red Sea Rule number five, and here it is. Red Sea Rule number five states this, God works for those who wait for Him. God works for those who wait for Him. 
Now, we all know this. Every child, if you're a parent, uh, you know what it's like to teach this. And if you're a human being, you were a child at one time. We all have to learn how to wait. We have to learn how to uh, push off gratification. But our incessant need for instant gratification is the cause of incredible trouble in our lives. Incredible trouble. But we all had to learn that lesson. In fact, uh, when we learn this lesson as kids, it often looks a little bit like this. Okay, sit in that chair. All right, here's the deal. Marshmallow, for you. You can either wait, and I'll give you another one if you wait, or you can eat it now. When I come back, I'll give you two, another one. So then you'll have two. But stay in here and stay in the chair till I come back, okay? okay. All right. I'm gonna go do something and then I'll come back. It smells yummy. So it's up to you. You can have it now or you can wait. Okay? I'll be back. Stay in the chair, okay? Okay. So as funny as that is to watch kids wrestle with patience, or rather impatience, we know there's serious consequences when we uh, force our lives into a microwave type of pace. What happens when we are unwilling to wait on God and His promises? What happens when we demand instant gratification? Well, I think many, if not most, of human issues come from our impatience. Impatience and a demand for instant gratification leads people to go into enormous amounts of debt. We want it. We want it now. So we'll make really bad financial decisions to get it right now. Uh, we teach a principle here at Three Circle Church that says just because you can doesn't mean you should. Uh, you need to learn patience in life. You need to learn how to wait. Also, uh, the incessant need for instant gratification has caused many to step into sexual impurity and immorality, and it has devastating consequences uh, on future relationships, 
uh, even has physical consequences, certainly mental and spiritual consequences, and yet it is a pervasive issue in our lives. Often we, we jump ahead of God and we end up making really bad decisions because we rush the process. We want it now. We want to know the answers now. And often we will uh, manipulate situations using our connections or our resources or our own ingenuity to try to fast forward what God meant to go at a slower pace. And whenever we do that, we inevitably miss out on what God is trying to do in our lives and on what God is trying to teach us. Let me ask you something. Have you ever been in a hurry and then realized God was not? Isn't that frustrating? See, the Israelites got in a real big hurry really fast. When they saw the Egyptian army coming at them, they could see that it wasn't going to take long for them to be on top of them. And they got in a hurry really fast. They wanted God to speed up. They wanted a fast forward button. If they knew what a microwave was, they would have been running to hit the button right then. They got in a hurry. And many of us are in a hurry right now. And maybe you're single and you've been praying for a spouse for a long time. Maybe you're a couple and you've been begging God for a child. Maybe this whole uh, issue with the pandemic has made your job situation and your financial situation very scary. And you want answers now. And here's the thing. As we walk with God, even though we hate to, we must learn to wait on Him. Because when we learn to wait on God, we learn how great He is and we understand this truth. When God makes us wait, He's often working on us before He works out our situation. God was working on the Israelites. They needed to learn to wait. Listen, God knew exactly what He was about to do. He was about to split the Red Sea wide open, one of the greatest miracles in human history. But it wasn't time for the miracle yet because the Israelites needed the waiting period. Even though it wasn't that long, they needed to feel it. They needed to feel the weight of it because they had lessons to learn. The Bible tells us throughout the scriptures that patience, endurance, these are traits that God wants us to learn. And here's why. Because patience and the ability to wait is a sign of maturity. And you need to understand that God is always working on our maturity. He's growing us up in Christ. But if we hit fast forward, if we run to the microwave, we will miss what only waiting on God can provide in our lives. See, there is great growth in the waiting. But what we're going to learn today is that waiting has requirements. So we're going to learn today there are requirements for waiting. And I really do think that these requirements, when we see them, will help us navigate our own Red Sea moments when we're forced to wait. Because sometimes you will find yourself in what we'll call God's waiting room. We all know what it's like to be in the waiting room and wait. And it can be frustrating. And it can even be infuriating at times, right? But we all find ourselves at some point, like the Israelites did against the Red Sea, when we want God to hurry up, but He's not in a hurry. He has a different plan. And we call that being in God's waiting room. Well, what is required for you to handle being in God's waiting room uh, and doing it right and learning the lessons and glorifying Him while you're there? Well, here's the first one. The first one is this. It requires faith and trust. The waiting room of God in Red Sea moments requires that you trust God and that you have faith in Him. Listen to Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. It says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. 
In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make straight your paths. I love those two verses because it teaches us that if we'll learn to wait on God, and that requires trust, when we trust in Him, that is a shift. It's a trade we make between trusting in ourselves and trusting in God. Because see, if you're hitting the fast forward button as hard as you can, it means you want to control the situation. You've decided that your timing is better than God's timing. But I promise you, listen, child of God, I promise you God's not holding out on you. God's timing is perfect. He knows exactly what you need when you need it. But for you to be able to handle that waiting room period with God, you're going to have to learn to trust Him. And the Bible tells us here that requires humility. Trusting in the Lord and not leaning on your own understanding. That means you must be humble and say, God, you know better than I do. I know my preferred way of things to go. I know what I wish would happen right now. But we all have to come to a place as humans when we realize God knows better than us what we need. So the waiting room of God requires for us to learn how to trust Him and have faith in Him. The Israelites learned that day uh, that God had a plan that was better than their plan. They weren't dreaming big enough. They had no idea what God was about to do. Red Sea rule number five, God works for those who wait on Him. Now, secondly, the waiting room of God in our Red Sea moments requires that we have patience. And again, we've already stated that patience is not something that we humans do well with naturally. Now listen to what the Bible tells us in the book of Psalms 37, 7 through 8. It says, be still before the Lord. That's what Moses told the Israelites to do. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Fret not yourself. I love that word fret. How many of you have ever fretted? Just right there where you are in your living room or on your boat or at the beach or wherever you are, just kind of raise your hand right there where you are if you've ever fretted over things. It says, fret not yourself over people who prosper in bad ways, over the man who carries out evil devices, refrain from anger, forsake wrath, fret not yourself, it tends only to evil. I love what the psalmist is teaching us here. It's the lesson that the Israelites learned against the Red Sea. They had an evil Pharaoh and an evil army coming upon them. But God wanted them to learn that when it looks like everything is falling apart, we must not fear and we must not fret and get worried and get anxious. But we have to trust that God is bigger than anything we will face. Thirdly, your waiting room with God is going to require courage. The Israelites were tempted to be afraid, and you're going to be tempted to be afraid as well when you're hitting fast forward, when you think, man, does God know what's going on? I need this now. I need the answer. I need the escape. I need uh, this thing to work out. It takes courage to wait on the Lord. Listen to what God told Joshua, one of the great leaders and commanders in biblical history. He said this, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. And here's why. So those are big words, right? Don't be afraid. Be courageous. But I need a why. Why should I be courageous? God tells him, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Listen, church. Listen, for all of you joining us, there is nowhere you will ever go as a child of God that God's not with you. God will be with you. He will go with you. And he had not left the Israelites that day. I want you to understand this. Delay, when it comes to God, Delay does not mean denial. When you're walking with God, just because it's delayed does not mean it's been denied. Waiting on God teaches you to understand that His promises will be kept. 
in His own way and in His own time. Next, we learn that we have to have determination. To make it through the waiting room of God and glorify Him and grow in the middle of it, you have to have determination. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 16, 13, Be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, and be strong. Stand firm in your faith. Let me tell you why this is so important. Because let's say you were one of those 500,000 Israelites that day with the Red Sea behind you and the Egyptian army in front of you. And let's say you decided you were going to trust God, the God who had just worked all those miracles to get you out of Egypt, that you were going to trust Him. Well, the problem is you had three or four people next to you in your ears saying, we're about to die. They're going to bury us in this sand. Now, we would have been better uh, to have stayed in slavery. See, here's the deal. In this life, we always have distractions. Sometimes it's even people we love and care for. Or it's negative people that we've allowed to have influence in our lives. Or maybe it's the enemy attacking us spiritually. Remember, we learned there's always more going on than meets the eye. But the Bible teaches us that those who learn how to wait on God learn how to keep their determination. To decide, I am going to stand firm in my faith. I'm going to stand on the promises of God, even if it looks like He's not going to come through. A great story in the Old Testament of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when they stood before a dictator, much like this Pharaoh, who decided that he would throw them in a fiery furnace if they did not bow down to him. And here's what they told him. They said that they would not bow down because they knew their God could rescue them. But even if He did not rescue them, they told him, we will not bow down. In other words, they said, we are going to be determined to believe and be faithful to our God, whatever the outcome is. And then finally, the waiting room of God in your Red Sea moments is going to require you to have endurance. Endurance. Because sometimes it's a long race. It's not a sprint. Sprints are for microwaves. Uh, but this is, a, this is a long race. This is one where you're going to have to set your pace. And sometimes when God is not in a hurry and you are in a hurry, you're going to have to learn to slow your roll. You're going to have to learn to slow down the pace and get in step with God and go with His timing. And to do that, you're going to have to endure. You're going to have to go some long days, some long weeks, some long months. And the question is, how much do you really trust God? Listen to Hebrews 10, 36. It says, for you have need of endurance. That This means every Christian, a part of our growth in Christ is to grow in our endurance. So that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. We know the Israelites are about to receive what's been promised, the greatest rescue in human history. But in order to get to that split Red Sea, they had to endure maybe some of the most maddening and terrifying moments of their lives when they thought they were about to die at the hands of the Egyptian army. I don't know what you're facing today, but I know you're going to have to develop these characteristics and I'm going to have to develop these traits in my own life to be able to handle the waiting room of God in my Red Sea moments. But here's what you can believe. God works for those who wait on Him.
So God works for those who wait for him. What an incredible truth that is. Does God really work for us? Like that's hard for us to even imagine, right? That the great God of the universe actually works for us. But that is exactly what the Bible teaches us. In fact, let's go to Isaiah and listen to these powerful verses. Isaiah 64, 1 through 4. Uh, there's one verse in here that's really the payoff, uh, but the other verses give us great context. Listen to what the prophet said. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. He's praying to God. And haven't we all been there? Oh, God, get involved in my situation. Oh, that you would step in and do something. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. That the mountains might quake at your presence as when fire kindles brushwood and the fire causes water to boil. To make your name known to all your adversaries and that the nations might tremble at your presence. When you did awesome things that we did not look for, you came down, the mountains quaked at your presence. From of old, no one has heard or perceived by the ear. Now watch this. No eye has seen a God besides you, and here it is, who acts for those who wait for Him. So Isaiah is amazed. He wants God to work right then. Isaiah is pressing that fast forward button, right? God help us now. God move now. But then he's reminded of who he is. He's reminded of even the Red Sea moment of the Israelites because all of the Jewish people would have told this great story for all generations. Isaiah is reminded of who God is and he says this, no one has ever even thought that a God would work for his people. See, every other religion says we work for God. 
Every other world religion says you go to work, maybe you can make your way to God. But Christianity, the Scriptures, are the only one that teaches that God came for us and that God laid His life down for us. God works for those who wait for Him. That's a hard concept for us to get, but it is a glorious, mind-blowing, heart-exploding truth when we grab onto it. And it is a truth rooted in the Gospel that God is more faithful to us than we'll ever be to Him, that God loves us more than we'll ever love Him. And this is a beautiful truth. I think one thing that's hard for us to realize is that God doesn't need us. In Acts 17.25, it reminds us that God does not need us. It says, God is not a God who is served by human hands as if He needed us. In other words, God works for us. He doesn't need us to work for Him. And when we do work for Him, it's something we get to do, not something He needed us to do. What a glorious truth. We have a God. If we'll wait on Him, who will work for us. Have you ever been walking around town or riding down the road and you've seen a help wanted sign? When you see a help wanted sign at a restaurant or a store, the immediate thing you think of is that they need help. That's why they put the sign out, right? Please come in. We need help. We'll pay for it. Come in and interview. Help wanted. Let me make this clear. God has never put out a help wanted sign. Not once. He doesn't need our help. The sign that God has put out for all of us, and it's glorious, all of us who will wait on Him is this, help available. Help is available for you. Help is available to all of those who believe in God, no matter what your Red Sea moment is. You don't have to face it alone. And if you've been microwaving your life, you're probably getting stale, tasteless microwave results. But don't you want the richness of the glories of God? Don't you want the rich aroma of God working in your life? Well, to do that, you got to learn to wait. You have to learn to do life at His pace. But when you do, the results are glorious when you realize you have a God who will work for you. Psalm 27 says this, and it's a beautiful verse. It says, Some trust in chariots and some in horses. But we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Listen, today as you learn this last rule uh, in this series so far that teaches us that God works for those who wait on Him, what that means is you're going to have to stop trusting in yourself, your own strength, your own connections, your own talent, your own money, your own resources, your own friends. You're going to have to learn like the Israelites did to trust in the Lord. And when you do, when you learn to wait on Him, you have a God who will work for you. So today, would you place your life in His hands? Would you trust Him with your Red Sea moments? It may take longer than you thought, but what comes out of the oven of God is amazing. It's better than anything you can do on your own. In fact, it looks a little, it looks a little like the Red Sea splitting wide open for people to walk across. To see the miracle, though, you're going to have to learn to wait on God. 